Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Hello, welcome to the home of Ukrainian football. It's another exciting episode of the Ukraine Plus Football podcast. I'm your host, Adam, from Ukrafoot24, and I'm joined, as always, with my two excellent co-hosts, Ray. Good evening, Ray. How are you doing, mate? Hello, everyone. We are back with Ukrainian football, the very precise level of Ukrainian football, as we're discussing Persian Druha today, and we are excited about it. At least myself. I don't know about you, Adam and Andrew, but hey, it's high time to explore the cornerstone of Ukrainian football. Definitely is. Definitely is. After such a disappointing week in Europe, we are going to put the UPL to one side. We're going to ignore all those uh, teams and we're going to focus on where it really matters in our beloved Persia and Druha Ligas. And of course... Joining us, as always, as well, my other excellent co-host, Mr. Zoria Londonsk. Andrew, how you doing, mate? Have you recovered from yesterday? Hi, Adam. Hi, everyone. Yep, I'm doing just fine. My five-minute cameo for the Ukrainian national team of sports journalists was fine, as they call can call myself defensive forward, the Artem Besedin of the game. <laughs> One pass, 100% a completion rate. 100% accuracy, you can't complain about that, to be honest. And we won the trophy. So I'll take that all day long. And looking forward to slight change of scenery for our usual podcast discussions and seeing a bit more down the leagues as we explored ourselves on our road trip earlier this summer. We certainly did. We certainly did. We're really lucky today, as you mentioned that, to, to have one of the wonderful people we met on our road trip uh, joining us from Sumi, we've got the press officer for Allianz, Lipova Dolna, uh, Ilya Deolin. Ilya, did I get your second name right? And also, welcome <laughs> yeah. to the show. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, thank you. Good evening. Thank you. You are making the progress in learning of Ukrainian. <laughs> Yes, brilliant. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Well, uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of today's episode, there's some really big news that has come out in the last couple of days that we have to discuss. And that has been the announcement of the October squad for the national team with one very noticeable omission. Now, Andrew, with Malinovsky missing from the squad... Do we think this is the end of the saga between uh, our dear manager and Ruslan, or are we going to expect even more fallout from this? You'd hope so, in terms of it's the end of the saga and it will just be another Boyalski-Shevchenko sort of, not a dispute, but just the fact that he won't call him up because he's not part of his plans. And that's that. And then if Petrukov leaves after, after this qualifying campaign, as many expect him to, Malinovsky will walk back into the team as he is, as many people rightly say, the best Ukrainian player out there at the moment. And the fact that he hasn't been called up 
there's been the sort of a dispute between the fact that whether he's too good not to call up. So even though he might not fit into the plans, he may still should be called up to the squad and then come on as a sub and feature in that way. And other people have been saying no player is bigger than the team and the fact that he got offended that he didn't start in the game and all this turbulence that's been caused between the two of them. Maybe it's better that he is left out to prevent any more sort of fracas, etc. How the other players will turn out for this, whether they'll lose respect for their manager or other circumstances, we wait to see in the crucial October international break. For me, I'm still on the fence I don't fully understand why he's not been called up and the likes of someone like Buletza who's not been in any kind of form themselves is more just a favour of the manager has been it's slightly weird and I think a lot of people just in the public are disappointed with the decision that I know that Ruslan's performances haven't been too good for Ukraine over the past year but still, I think in certain stats like chance creation and amongst other things, he's like really quite high over those last year of performances. So it's it's one of those things that maybe we don't always see it in terms of his impact, but he probably is a bit more vital than actually expected. We'll see what happens in the future, but in general, a slight dampener on what is meant to be a slightly exciting next month of international football. Yeah, well, so I see, Ray, you're nodding along there. I take it you're fully in agreement with Andrew. We're not going to get any controversial comments from you. I would like to sound as controversial as I usually do, Adam. But yeah, I would say that uh, Malinowski should take it easier. And there are no players which whose names are set in stone in this national team. And Petrikov made it very clear for everyone. And uh, it's... It's a great thing to see that um, no one is safe. I hope that the next person (laughs) who goes down, uh, uh, at least at the sub, uh, and just to think about what is really meant to be important for uh, himself is Zinchenko, because I mentioned his emotion during the games before. And uh, him and Malinovsky were the very um, solid figures on Euros. And uh, as we remember... The sole Zinchenko successful performance was against Sweden when he played left wing. So unless Petrakov considers this option, there is no place in his formation for Alexander neither. So there's plenty of work to be done and we are looking at the change of generation and it's officially arrived. Very well said there. In Ilya out there in Sumi, what was the reaction at the club when you heard that the national team is the biggest part of the Ukrainian game? Ruslan Malinovsky is not going to be there. Uh, as for me, this decision was predictable uh, due to this conflict. Uh, and I think that fans and journalists uh, was not satisfied with either decisions if he calls uh, him they will tell that Petrakov has no princesses and uh, even if he didn't call him that... Uh, Mm-hmm. He can not call the one of the leaders of the team. It's a lose-lose situation, as, as we like to That's say. That's actually pretty accurate. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Ilya. I mean, the only thing Rosalind can do now is answer him with his performances on the pitch. And I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to see a few more very strong performances for Atalanta. We're going to be the main beneficiaries of this decision. But anyway, moving on, moving on, Ilya. 
Uh, Alliance doing very well this season, having a great season. Didn't start off so well, did it, after the Metalist game in the on day one. But what's been going on there this season and how has the club bounced back from such a difficult start? Uh, this uh, difficult start was only by psychology and uh, by proclimating the team uh, becoming better and better. And uh, as you can see, results are also becoming better and better. But Last season, uh, Allianz showed also very good play, uh, very good uh, game, and uh, journalists told that uh, Allianz is one of the teams which will gain promotion. But uh, the first season in the first league, uh, uh, I think it was too early to say that Allianz will gain promotion, and the team is uh, growing up very fastly. Three and a half years ago, it was the team of the regional tournaments, and now it is one of the teams which can promote the Premier League. And we need the time to adapt on this level. Uh, as you can see, the adaptation was very good. And uh, now, I think, why not? Uh, but uh, we need to infrastructure because Juvelaini is not certified for the Premier League, uh, only for the first league. And even if construction will done, but it uh, will be next season maybe, and we need to play somewhere. Uh, so I think that we need to solve the problems uh, with infrastructure. I think that uh, club uh, uh, management doesn't want to play in Kharkiv or Poltava. Uh, so I think the team is ready for the Premier League, but uh, game against the seminar will show it. Uh, time will show what uh, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen. But I mean, like for a lot of people who listen with our show, we like to give a sort of a spotlight for Persia League clubs like Alliances. Who are the star players for your team this season? Because a lot of people who listen won't know so much about the club. Or, you know, I even can't mark someone because uh, this is the popularity of the Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone uh, at the field acts as one team and uh, there are no better or worse uh, even there are no leader because uh, almost player in the starting eleven claims his role from Pisni to Agapov. Uh, Pisni uh, three years ago played for the regional tournaments and now uh, this summer he was uh, proclaimed to best defender of the first league. So also the great uh, merit of Yuri Yagashenko and also the coaching staff of the team they gathered this team for the years. As you know, Pisni is boring for there are a lot of players which played for the regional tournament and they brought up with the team and uh, I think that all the team are stars of the Alliance. Of course, uh, it was a huge loss of Vladislav Sarai, he really was the star of the team, but now he is the star of the Premier League uh, and the uh, Alliance we need to play without him and Yagashenko noticed it a lot. Very diplomatically put there, I've got to say, well done. You're going to have everyone in the club behind you. Uh, uh, I say, they played incredibly well, right? You've you've already played Metalist, you've already played Kruv Bass as well, the two top teams in the division. Apart from those two, what other teams have really impressed you in the Persia League this year? Of course, uh, Polisa is very impressive. They have huge financial inclusions, and I think that uh, they will also fight for the promotion. And Kramatorsko uh, also started well, but now uh, due to this COVID pause, I know 
that it is too difficult to get the reverse form uh, after this uh, COVID pause because Allianz uh, had it uh, last year. We missed it three games in a row and then we didn't uh, get that result that we expected. And I think that that is why we didn't get the promotion. Mm -hmm. uh, if we play uh, at all more, more result, if yes, uh, we can get a promotion easily. But even in this situation, we won against Vares in Ophirka. I think it is one of the most uh, games of the last season and uh, Dan Allianz uh, shown that it is a very prospective team. I think it even was at the first professional season when we reached the quarterfinal of uh, Ukrainian Cup and uh, we played good against Mariupol, which presented the Ukraine in the Europa League that season. That's a fair comment. It really is. I've got to ask you as well, though, Ilya, while you're here, about Sumi City in general. Obviously, the club moved Sumi two, three seasons ago after having played more locally. Uh, the people in the city... How much support did they give to the club? Are they really behind you? Do they? Do you feel like that the people there want to have a big club in Sumi? Uh, they support Alliance as well because the team shows a good game. They tied after PFC Sumi, which uh, died very bad, as you know, due to this uh, very wide game. And people dissolved it. Uh, I want to say, as the citizen of the Sumi, uh, our people dissolved a good team and even the team of the Premier League and uh, after victory against Cornexport, uh, they wrote in the Facebook that thank you for your football, we dissolved it. And now I assume can't give it uh, which people expect, uh, they lost in Zaporizhia with nil 5 so it is not uh, that people expected. So I think that Alliance is more supportable in Sumer that FC Sumer. Fair enough. Now, we're, we're going to come back to you a little bit later, Ilya, to talk about uh, FC Sumi in a, in a bit more detail. But now, I mean, Ray, you've been watching a lot of Persia, obviously, <laughs> from a distance a bit more this year with, with Obelon. But, uh, I mean, how's the league going on in general there, uh, Metalists obviously have dominated all the headlines. You hate to see the um, similarities between the leagues as uh, top two teams are always uh, known before the start of the championship in uh, UPL. But it seems like in Persia, it's the first season that, uh, apart from the two teams which we usually discuss, uh, Metalists and Krivbas, everyone else is basically the same level. I wouldn't say that they play the same football, and the um, that's the, the the thing about Persia that we why we have to watch all the games because uh, we need to see what to expect from the teams. But overall, yes, we have two teams which uh, are definitely going to promote. Um, never mind the police metalist draw which happened uh, last match day. I would say that uh, Obolon is definitely going for the third place. Uh, uh, however, we can say that we were very lucky in the beginning of the season. We only lost to Metalist, and so far we are winning and uh, 
uh, playing draws with teams. I don't know how it, how long it's going to last, so I won't, don't want to curse or jinx uh, the team. I wouldn't go into in deep into this. Overall, the league seems very very interesting and very exciting. We can we could we could we could have said that before uh, last season, but. Uh, now it's just it's just really similar to the UPL we all known the classic years of UPL that the third place is up for grabs and so far we don't know who's going who's going after it. It is going to be interesting with third and fourth both going in the the playoff promotion. Have you been surprised, guys? I'm going to ask Ilya as well on this about how poor agribusiness have been this season. I just was having a look at the table second second from bottom. After this most recent match, they no, uh, I have uh, both of these problems. Subutski has his appeal in the Lausanne. If uh, he will lose it, club will not exist. So he thinks uh, that uh, I have no ambitions of the Premier League, and uh, that is why team lose and maybe will even relegate to second league. But it's only my opinion. I don't know how it's on real. So I think uh, that. Uh, is the uh, appeal in the Lausanne. Is the real problem of this? This is not the uh, Chizevsky's uh, problems. He is a very good coach. Uh, agribusiness always was the team which gain, need to gain promotions to the Premier League. But uh, something is wrong with the team in the uh, spring part of the season because uh, last season agribusiness uh, was crossed for. 20 match days, yes. And in Spring, uh, team understands that uh, no infrastructure for the Premier League, but uh, team is good. And uh, probably I cannot understand what happened. Fair enough. Yeah. And as always, I mean, in my time anyway, there's always one team that seems to promote from the Druha and then isn't quite ready for the for the Persia League. And this year, upsets FC Ushgarad with a measly one point from their first eight or nine games. I'm not quite sure if they've had a COVID miss, but they started off abysmally with that 6-1 defeat at home against Precarpatia, and it hasn't got much better since. So I think any betting man will have them on their uh, uh, coupon on a weekend to lose. But apart from that, as, as Ray said earlier, every, everyone's really, it's quite close. It really is quite close between third and 15th. And we'll see what happens. Would you say Valin, how poor Valin have been so far? Is that a surprise for you, Ray? Or were you expecting them to be, you know, sort of middling to to worse? I've uh, been meaning to say about Valin for a long time that, uh, yeah, as we know, this team has been a mess for a couple of seasons. They had the fan base, they have the infrastructure, they have the uh, sort of financing stability. But uh, this season, it seems like they, it's all coming back to them. And they, and they face it. They have to face the music. And you can see them by the, from their performances and from even the, how the team plays and looks like. I mean, they're kids. Uh, they have really faced it and they, they have nothing to, to prove. And uh, they are not going to relegate, obviously, but... Uh, the lesson learned, and um, I wish them all the best, but not that season. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a few more years, I think, before we see them back in the UPL, uh, by far. But anyway, moving on to the Druha, we visited a lot of great clubs in the in the across the Druha leagues. Um, but we'll start off with Group A. 
And our very first game, Andrew, wasn't it? Was uh, Livy Beret in the, the first round of the Cup way back at the start of August. And have you been impressed with them? Yeah, well, they're the only team, I think, across all the divisions that have won all of their games and no losses. So 100% record at time of recording. They've got all the veterans, all the Premier League pedigree in the Drogheliha, basically. It's kind of the opposite of some of the clubs that we'll probably be discussing that focus more on youth. These guys are literally veteran FC, essentially similar to the side I, similar to some of the players I was playing with uh, the other day with the journalist team. But yeah, they look more or less unstoppable. But then there are some quite poor teams in their division, which are easily helping them out. For example, <laughs> Lubomir are <laughs> still bottom uh, with no wins, no draws, just a all losses and I think they've only scored one goal they so are. far so that <laughs> that says it all and they already got rid of their manager after a couple of games when Livy better beat them what 11-0 was it was it 11-0 I think it was it was so yeah that says a lot and then down below you've got the other agricultural giants Ellen's there who are just behind them they look pretty decent they even beat Carapate the other week so it's all this one's I think the more exciting division slightly because you've got this runaway leader which I think Livy Berek probably will be but then it's going to be Carapate Livy who are going to be trying to get involved there they looked sharp at the start of the season but then they've had a couple of poor results recently and yeah Dinas are doing slightly more better than expected too Said he's Serenki on fire and other things. So yeah, uh, an interesting, an interesting campaign remaining, but certainly quite a, an intriguing start to the season. I mean, you know, we obviously we visited uh, all of these clubs because that's what we what we did. But we spoke at length with the guys at AFSK and FC Chenigan who say they spoke to us, didn't know about their investment in youth. Looking now at the league tables and uh, what is it? One win between them so far this season. They've conceded 31 goals between them and only scored six. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, do do these clubs actually belong in the professional league? I know we celebrated it at the start of the year and we're like, wow, and we're like very impressed with their devotion to youth. But like we said there, does with what's gone on in in Europe with the UPL this year and everyone talking about how the standards are dropping, well, we're now letting in youth teams to make up the numbers. <laughs> and is is there something there that just not quite right with the accreditation process to bulk up the numbers in the leagues? Or should we celebrate these teams? Before the fact that these Clubs like AFCK, Chernihiv and the likes were in the t- in the division. It was just the reserve teams of the other sides. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, Oblon 2, which obviously Ray, I'm sure, knows, Mikolaev 2 uh, and the others. And those teams have been slowly dying away for one reason or another. Whereas these more youthful projects, which are essentially just glorified academies, but not tied to the bigger teams they seem to be regional academies that are not connected to Dinamo or Shakhtar 
per se, or even any of the other sides. And they're trying to make it themselves. I mean, I think it's too early to judge on these on this first season. We know that there's not really any relegation or anything like that. Lubomir is like sort of a different story because I don't think they've got the funding or anything like that to be competing. They really are a village side to the maximum, <laughs> sadly. Whereas I think the likes of AFSK, they've got their home ground and all that kind of building infrastructure is still carrying on. Mm -hmm. So give it maybe a couple of seasons whilst that's all actually done up and then maybe we'll see some sort of progress. However, whether they're actually ever going to be sort of a, a driving force for promotion or ever making the UPL is a different story. Yeah, I, I, doubt, I doubt we'll see them anywhere near the sort of the upper echelons for a very long time. Great to see, as you mentioned, you touched on there, Carpati Lviv, and Neva Vinitsa in fifth place, aren't they, at the moment as well, sort of just on the edge with the Druid Leaguers. It's top two go up and then the third go into a playoff system with the fifth from bottom of the Persia League. I think it's the fifth from bottom or 11th place, depending on how you count it. Uh, so sort of third place goes into a playoff cup, Patty fourth and Neva in fifth. Uh, is it important for those clubs to get promoted back up to the Persia, do you think, Andrew? Yeah, well, I think Neva Vinitsa is one of those progressive clubs that have got a bit of ambition. Just not, the keys, just not the keys to their stadium. Exactly. Just <laughs> seems to be locked with no security on <laughs> non-match days, which is each to their own. But yeah, as, as we've already just alluded to, it's not just Rubicon, but think about it. Like FC Munkach is also technically an academy, but they're doing okay. And... Right. They've had a lot of, I think, not funding, but support from the UAF in terms of they've played a lot of friendlies against Dinamo under-19s and sort of this proper development that they're trying to carry on with. But I've been speaking to some people recently from the area and they're saying that it's actually a bit of a worrying project on the basis that it's very much being backed by the Hungarian uh, Kishvardia, um, which is a Hungarian top flight side and also there's some funding from the Hungarian government directly obviously when we went there we saw that no one could speak Ukrainian or even Russian to us they were just speaking in Hungarian and the worry is is that despite seeing kids in like their Shakhtar or Dynamo or other Ukrainian club sweatshirts or jerseys that they were wearing to training the worry is is that none of these players that are being developed in the Druhaliha will actually end up staying in the Ukrainian football system and they'll end up going across the border where all the top talent uh, to Hungary. So is that counterproductive in itself? It sounds like it. Time will tell though, because it's slightly, yeah, it's a bit of a weird so it's, one. It's more, it's more like Dinamo Zagreb uh, model after all. Yeah. It's a very weird one. I mean, I don't have a problem if these guys got Ukrainian passports and play for the national team, but if they're going to get siphoned off to the Hungarian national team, then it becomes a slightly different story further down further down the line. You, you know, they're sort of stopping young Ukrainian players progressing, and that's a, that's something that actually does need to be addressed. Is it? 
it's a peculiar one. It really is. Anybody sort of traveling, you know, as Russ said to us, didn't he, when we were talking about the the road trip with him a few weeks back, like, we'll go to Ushkarod for a weekend or it's the nearest place to sort of Western Europe to get to. You can fly into Ushkarod and, yeah, go visit the academy, go catch a game there. It's very strange. It really is. Don't get, Don't spend much money. You can just wander in and watch a match, but, yeah, go see it. It's a tiny village again, isn't it? A bit like Lubomir, and uh, but a bit more investment going on. It's a bit, quite a fancy academy as well. <laughs> but yeah, shall we move on to Group B, lads? Or any more comments on Group A? A supplement, Andrew. Uh, Lubomir invited Vitaly Kvarkani for the one of the Australians, but I see that it doesn't help. <laughs> It certainly does, and it's, it's going to be a long season for It is a shame, though, because I think, you know, Ray, Andrew, I think you'll agree with me. When we went there, there it was a, the director that met us, wasn't it? And what a nice bloke he was. He really is. Uh, if you get the chance to go down, go down there to the south of Kiev region, uh, really do. Beautiful place, and they need all the support they can get at the moment. I think, <laughs> I think if, if anyone takes their boots, Andrew, mate, if you go down there, you'll get more than five minutes in their team, definitely, with your stats. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you'll be uh, up front trying to, you know, at least double their one goal tally for so far this season. Uh, but yeah, let's let's move over to, to Group B over in the, the eastern half of it's kind of on a diagonal, isn't it? The split going from the northeast to the southwest of the country these days. Where you've got uh, up there in Sumi, we've got uh, Trostanets, Victoria, and uh, FC Sumi. And I mean, Ilya, just to give people a sort of a picture of it, how long does it take you know, a club like FC Sumi to travel to Balkani Zoria? Uh, so how how long uh, is that as a road trip? From a place, uh, if you can name it football, for for the first half maybe, and uh, if uh, to speak about beginning of the second half against Balkan, they considered the two goals in from the forty-five to fifty minutes. So and then in the second half uh, begins uh, something that I cannot call football. Uh, only the attacks of Chibokane. Of course, uh, they had some moments, but uh, realization is very poor. But maybe this team have potential. Maybe. But uh, I think that uh, clubs uh, which are under the governmental contract uh, are not su- successful in Ukraine. But Metalux Zaporizhia also clubs uh, with the governmental support and now they are leading in the Group D. Maybe football in the Sume, even uh, exactly in the Sume city uh, is not uh, successful. We'll see, but uh, the beginning of the season is very poor. Yeah, it certainly has has been. Fortunately, we'll come on to them a little bit like a real farmer uh, are in the league, so finishing bottom isn't a concern for anyone else this season. But yeah, Metalog as you said, top of the division, came close last year, but obviously with Metal as they were back then and uh, Krivbas being in the division, 
getting one of those top two spots was was pretty difficult. They came came in third. Hopefully this season we'll see them bounce back up to the Persia and maybe football, you know, Zaporizhia's premier club will actually start to, to get back where they belong. No disrespect meant to Zoria Lugans, but Metalug is, is the club of the city and the city needs its club to be a lot higher up the league. Second spot, slightly more interesting, Mikolaev. Those of you who remember back at the start of the season, we said they, they'd agreed to take the demotion down to the Druha for financial reasons, but they're, they're battling for top two. <laughs> Again, I'm going to be very curious at the end of the season if they finish in the top two, if they actually accept one of those promotion places or if they say they can't afford it and just stay in the second division. It'll be one of those sort of curious quirks of Ukrainian football where the promoted clubs don't get promoted and the relegated clubs don't get relegated, and it's all the same every year over. No mentions of Manai there at all. But it's one of those nice clubs. We didn't actually get to talk to anyone while we're on the trip. Uh, Peramorka, in English victory, from, from Dnipro, uh, caused a couple of bit of controversy a few years ago when they tried to get accreditation the first time around when their second season of professional football, as Andrew mentioned earlier, give clubs time. First season wasn't so good. They now sit in second place on 19 points, one point ahead of Mikolaev, uh, battling for promotion. It'd be good to see them go up as VPK are struggling in the Persia this year to see the two sort of probably the two real clubs from the Dnipro swap places in the league uh, this summer with the way things are going and we have one of our beloved sort of first year pro clubs up there as well in Skorok now there is a story that I have forgotten about how the club got its name. Now, guys, does anyone remember that story? Can you share it with our listeners? So the club named after its owner. There they are. <laughs> Doing well. <laughs> Their ground's so small. Their ground's so small, they can't even play in it. They're down in Nikopol sharing their stadium this year. There are some problems with the name of the clubs in the deeper region because the Agro. Uh, the is the initials of the president of Vladimir Petrovich Korsun. So, oh, <laughs> uh, hey, all for originality when you, when you're naming your teams. Eh? <laughs> what should we What should we call a team after ourselves? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Again, uh, coming back to it, what we were talking about earlier. A lot of those new clubs that we met in in the division, like um, SC Poltava, even Volchansk as well, doing a bit better, doing a bit like uh, Mukachevo's team, the Hungarians in Group A. These guys are doing okay in Group B as well. They're showing that bit of progression, which is what we like to see. Now, for them, it's a little bit easier because good old Real Farmer that have been back as a pro team three, for three or four years are really struggling, <laughs> really, really struggling. I, I would love to sit... Well, I don't know if I'd love to watch the game between them and Lubomir if they if they were invited to play one another. I think it'd be bloody awful. But uh, I think it'd be quite interesting to see if either side could score a goal. I mean... Real Farmer tend to concede about four or five a game. At the start of the season, they were scoring a few, but that's even stopped recently. So they're 
getting beaten badly every week. And uh, I mean, of course, there's that sort of cute story of father and son playing there. And it might be time for father to hang up his boots and the son as well, because they're not really putting in the performances. Andrew, remember the interview we had with them when they were like, yeah, we were looking for a promotion this season and it, it, it probably couldn't get much worse. I caught a bit of the game against uh, Tarrier at, at the weekend and it was... Uh, just one way traffic the whole gap, whole match. It really was. So, are they considered the Odessa team? Oh, I suppose they are the only team in Odessa these days, given the fact that the other team that plays there is just Dinamo's reserve. <laughs> they are, they, they, they must be Odessa's principal club. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a sad, sad, sad story. It really is. Shame, shame for them. And nice people, don't get me wrong. And they've got a you know a youth team there and everything, but the first team certainly not putting in putting in the performances this year. Interesting one though for me as well. You know, Ilya mentioned earlier about FC Sumi struggling on five points. The other team that is is quite poor is Cristal, also on five points, who came down from the Persia last year. And those two are sort of cut adrift from everyone else who've made double figures already at this stage of the season. So Christelle have got a lot of work to do in sorting out their club, as, which I know Andrew would probably make you smile considering the treatment we had from them when we went to visit them as well, you know, sort of poor organisation off the pitch and it seems like poor organisation on the pitch as well. Agreed. Yeah, deservedly so. Uh, you know, it's, it is interesting. I think uh, Reg, you know, we didn't touch on them earlier when we were about Group A as well. One of the the historically big clubs that are sort of struggling down there, Bukovina. Now we were treated beautifully by their administration as well. And they're struggling. They're 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 down in the bottom half of whereas neither of sort of bouncing back, Carpatia are bouncing back. Bukovina are on the par with Cristel in, in terms of organization all over the pitch. <laughs> That's why I don't say anything about Dublin, you know, because don't mess with us, guys. Anything we say, anything we do, anything we visit takes its place. Fair enough. Now, guys, uh, before we go, I mean, obviously, we want to hear more about Andrew's experiences. Are you officially a Ukrainian international now, mate? Start updating the Wikipedia, yeah, or make or make me one in general. Uh, That'll be good. You are, you are, the, you know, you're going to be a new goat. You really are. Yeah, sadly not David Nugent with uh, one cap, one goal, but we'll have to live with five minutes. Uh, so you were representing what the press, the press association. Yeah, the Ukrainian Sports Press Association, and it was uh, a charitable event. I think it was a charitable event. It wasn't like a fundraiser or anything like that. It was more just a commemorative cup game that was organised by the organization for veterans and injured and all that kind of thing in Zhitomir. And they basically just wanted to play a team. So there's like their team's called Kupol 95. And that was combined, combined effort. It was 30 minute halves. So not even the full 45, but still uh, entertaining game for sure. Slava Shevchuk, when he's on the pitch, he can still do it. Age forty-two, <laughs> to be honest, he yeah, 
dominating all over the place uh, and a few other players, Alexander uh, Romanchuk was there. I'm sure Ray remembers him. And uh, Defin- Definitely Dynamo legend. <laughs> and then also Ilichivitz, Mariupol legend. Um, uh, Krivoshenko. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And an interesting, an interesting fun day out. Georgian restaurant at the end and bus back to Kiev. Oh, nice. Nice. Nice pomegranate wine, I hope. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the highlights of any Georgian uh, restaurant trip, as, as I've learned as well from, from my trips with Andrew to Georgian restaurant. Well, the good old Melitopol. It was. It was the highlight of, of, of that day as well. <laughs> well, that's it for today, guys. Really, yeah, I've really enjoyed this one, sort of catching up with the leagues. Ilya. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. What have you got planned for the, you know, for the rest of the season over there in uh, at Allianz? Uh, I hope that uh, there will be no problems with the team. We'll gain promotion, and uh, I hope that uh, some teams from the summer region will gain promotion uh, of, uh, to the Persia League. And of course, I'm waiting. For the return of Dr. Week, and I can say that uh, they will going to apply for the second league next season. So maybe the returning of Dr. Week will be soon. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to have them back. One of the, the most picture postcard stadiums to watch football in Ukraine, and the beer's not bad either. <laughs> So anyway, for for people listening, if they want to connect with you on social media, is there any place they can can follow you on social media? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, so can communicate with me in any way. Excellent, excellent. Well, we wish you the best of luck for the, the rest of the season. I know Ray won't wish you as much luck for the Obelon games, but that's you can discuss that off air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ray, great fun as always tonight. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, mate. Yeah, it's great to touch on what we really enjoy. Am I right? Uh, thanks for thanks for having me. And uh, I suppose uh, my Instagram page is Ravik as usual. It certainly is. Uh, Andrew, I say great as always to have you with us, mate. And Congratulations. I know you said it was only five minutes, but it's, it's, it's a real pleasure to see you play for the, the Press Association. It was great fun uh, to, to sort of watch watch the feeds and see the pictures today. What have you got planned for the, the rest of this week? Well, the Super Cup is on its way. So hopefully some interesting ties going on there. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And we should announce, obviously, for anyone that doesn't know the news, it is available, am I right, in Ukrainian language only for viewers outside of Ukraine? US, Canada, UK and Poland. For the diaspora would be the sort of the main target audience there. So, yeah. Should be a great game on Wednesday. And Andrew, for new listeners, what are your social medias? Zoya Londonsk on Instagram and Twitter. And please do subscribe to our collective YouTube channel, Ukraine Plus Football. We should have the first episode of our U Plus F road trip tour out by the time you're listening to this, guys. So tune in, give it a thumbs up, comment, tell us stuff. And 
look forward to the rest of the series. We really do. We appreciate all the feedback from you, not only on the YouTube videos, but on the podcast, on the channel in general. We do listen. We provide... We, we didn't provide the live stream, but we decided to do the live stream last week based on feedback from some of you. So, you know, we really do. We do take your ideas on board and we decide to run with things. So keep it coming. We really appreciate it. I'm, of course, Adam at Ukrafot24. You can contact me across the social medias as well. But till next time, this has been another fantastic episode of the Ukraine Plus Football Podcast. Until then, take care, stay safe and goodbye for now. Hey.